you know, I don't believe in dieting, but I'm like getting ready to go on this trip and I believe in good skin. So uh-huh. I'm just like, let's chug water all day. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah. you out here uh, doing dieting for some vanity. Yes. As everybody else is. Exactly. That's- but not in a way that shames the body that I currently have. <laughs> You just wanted to look a glow. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I'm just like, let's do that. Because I'm not going to starve myself for two weeks before I go on fucking vacation. Girl, don't make no sense. The way they uh been on you this weekend, you don't look like you need to. Uh, that's why I'm just trying to elevate, you know? Yeah. How can I look like a... a a shooting star at all times. And I, you know, that's why I put that filter on you. You know, me and Amber <laughs> went out in public this weekend. Just let you know that... All the people who claim they're not attracted to us made sure that we were in the know that they were. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like drinks were shoved into our hands as soon as we walked into the spot. They were. Yeah. And then we were aggressively pursued from brunch until <laughs> the clock sprung ahead, girl. Exactly. But <laughs> this nigga. It went from 1 to 3 a.m. and niggas was still out here, you know, making niggas feel small, but big at the same time, you know? You are not special by telling a real one, trill one, that she is fine as fuck. Yes, and then then for you other motherfuckers, you're going to have to just step it up. You're going to have to stay ahead of the game because, listen, (laughs) offerings are very abundant in the spring. April's my shit. It honestly is. Um, Spring equinox, I am a new. uh, Again, we are wearing colors, the legs, thighs are out glowing. Mm -hmm. You know, I use coconut oil every day, not just when I'm showing my body parts. (laughs) I need to be moisturized at all times. I'm about to start making my own whipped shea butter situation. I'm very excited about that. Are you really? Yeah, why not? Oh, I got some raw shea butter. Uh And I'm like, I also have rose water and like essential oils. How can I put all these things together? So you're just about to whip it, just be whipping it up. You know, so one of my like dead ass jasmine. One of the things that I love the most, like what I feel like this is when I feel my most beautiful, Uh is when I am soft as fuck. That same. I love whipping up a sugar salt scrub with like the absurd oils. Like I need some argan. I need some vitamin E. Mm -hmm. I need the softest of the oils to the black skin yes because you know i don't have a bathtub i just have a standing shower uh-huh. so i recently got this charcoal activated body polish scrub mm-hmm. nigga a bitch is rubbing her own booty at night okay you got to you got to you know you gotta <laughs> I, I i feel good to myself you know people yes. are still hitting me up talking about they think about my soft ass yeah kid. absolutely still still it's been years it's at, at this point it's a trademark it- <laughs> <laughs> when you when you fuck with a real one you gonna get you gonna touch some soft ass skin you know you gonna, you gonna have like- that sit in your nose every time uh, every year around this time you're gonna be like damn i miss amber <laughs> shit <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) why are you reading my life? (laughs) This is Amber J. Phillips, the high priestess of Black Joy. And you are listening to the Black Joy mixtape. Even when we don't release the mixtape on Friday, it just still happens. But whatever. <laughs> so we ended up at brunch and just from our waiter who Nigga. just was awkward the entire time. Just had something. No, he wasn't awkward. I literally told you from the moment his ass came over there, he was about to crumble. Yeah. He didn't know what to do with it's it's just so fascinating when they like want like they want to talk to us so badly. Yeah. 
but just can't figure it out. What do I say? What do I say? What do I do? How do I get them to like? You seem so sure about yourself. <laughs> you, you know, this is why I'm just. You just seem real strong. Yeah. Just, just firm in yourself. <laughs> just. Because you done came out in public looking like this. It's bullet. So you must like it. You You must like the way you look. And I do too. But I'm at work. And I probably got a whole ass woman on the couch. When I leave this motherfucker. But I need you to know that I'm about to take you around the corner and spank you. Literal words that were said about a nigga making a decision, Jasmine, about whether or not she wanted another mimosa or a tea. (laughs) Oh, I know you got opinions. I know you got a strong mind. I'll take you around the corner. Don't beat me up. How do we get here? (laughs) This your small talk? You ain't got nothing to say about the weather? Nothing. What about me saying, no, I'm not even asking that question. Like, what makes you think, what do you think happens after this? Do you think just automatically I just take you, go with you into this alley? I've been waiting all day for (laughs) a person in a uniform to tell me that I look good. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting waiting. for a man to come up to me and just tell me how bad he wants to spank me because I've been so naughty. I know you watch a lot of porn, but I'm in whole ass brunch with my best friend. So I don't want your crusty ass right now. You literally are picking up dishes right now. Why are you picking up dishes? Nikki, you have to write your number on the back of somebody else's receipt Girl, from your Sunday. Literally. <laughs> you what? ain't sent this over a you this. ain't sent over a free biscuit. They charged me for every single thing I ate. You charge us for everything <laughs> we ordered. But you think that you about to walk up out of here with the bag secured <laughs> known as Jasmine? The king of the South, Walker? I think not. <laughs> you niggas have lost it. Do you think we're not collecting dowries on y'all? It is not enough to say we are cute. We know. So then Amber had two suitors that night. <laughs> One of which had just made the mistake of coming out with the cuff. Doing <laughs> so good well, y'all ain't gonna make it past sundress season. Listen. <laughs> but got the nerve. I didn't know. So apparently old girl went to the bathroom or something. She she separated from this nigga right. <laughs> he done found Amber and you know, just once I had a one dance time. for the fifth time. <laughs> nigga. So he got Drake, I just want one dance, head ass. Gets lost in the rapture. I mean, y'all, eyes closed. They looking at each other. They dancing. They grinning. They having a good time. Amber is spinning. Like, I mean, like, they two-stepping. They grinding. I mean, various dances. Black people usually only got one or two dances that they do when they don't know each other. These niggas look like they have been on the dance floor together for a very long time. Like, they do this every weekend. This our shit. This is the song. <laughs> I love this song, And I mean, girl. like, not just spinning and, you know, that's that spin they go into when you get in that little hug, Shut embrace up, thing Jasmine. that they be doing in the films and shit. <laughs> girl, let me tell you, it was like, uh some magic was happening and then all of a sudden this nigga must fell across the room the death stare eyes. of daggers. That nigga snapped out of it, shook Amber's hand, <laughs> and proceeded. This nigga did shake my hand. I was like, oh, I gotta go. And proceeded to go apologize to the size 452 individual <laughs> that had to not only grapple with the fact that this nigga wasn't shit, but also. Had the nerve oh my God. to disrespect her with a fat bitch. <laughs> Not that bitch who's six feet. Uh-uh. Let me tell you. Girl. They was gone not even 10 minutes later. Girl, <laughs> they left, didn't they? They left. It was quick. <laughs> I, you gonna have to wear a sign if you come to the club, okay? 
I'm gonna need you niggas in relationships, all of y'all, to wear a sign. You have to wear a badge that says, I cannot look you directly in the eye for longer than five minutes. Cause hell if I knew. Because if you look, you gonna get took. You gonna get took, which is exactly <laughs> what happened to his his ass dark chocolate and a cream sweater. Of course. I choose you, nigga. What? <laughs> Anyway, speaking of softness and desires, this is why we always start on on our desires, which was we went to go see Wrinkle in Time this weekend, which y'all, Ava really, she put her foot in that mug. Like, it was visually stunning. Jasmine and I were crying like infants in the movie. I weeped. I was like, truly had to stop stop myself from doing more crying like i wanted the doors of the church to open for like what what else can i do to support seeing us like this on on a big screen with these with oprah literally constantly telling a young black girl that she's the shit like how tall do you think oprah was in the movie the whole time look i <laughs> today i am me an award oprah Oprah's character kept instructing people mm-hmm. to be a warrior. I am a warrior today, yes. tomorrow, every day forward. Henceforth and forevermore. I'm a warrior right now in yep. this very moment. I ain't, With a I ain't seen no shit like a wrinkle in time. No. And for anybody who, like, yeah, sci-fi can be a hard genre for a lot of us. But when I tell you Ava filmed. Yeah. From the sneakers on people's feet to the tippy tops of palm goddamn palm trees. Yep. Like, before we even travel to another universe, <laughs> yes. Ava portrayed a home. Yeah. Like, and I mean a community. Yeah. Like, and when we talk in a community, we talking about a multiracial community. Yeah. Oh, man. You she did so good. Uh, man, you couldn't look at a white person's face without seeing a person of color in the shot, a yeah. melanated person. She made a whole street come alive when they were walking down the street before they got to the magical shit. Wow. Of us just looking through fences and porches. It was literally phenomenal. Like, y'all really have to go see that movie. We won't, of course, give away too much of it, but it was just beautifully done. And I felt as though it was not only for young black girls, but for my grown ass, too. Like, I was in there, like, <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to be rocked in that movie. I don't know how else to describe it. It was definitely something that I would have loved to see as a 12-year-old Amber or as a 6-year-old Amber. And I'm glad I got to see it at this point in my life, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. One, to see a black girl just be a multi-level genius. Uh, multiple black people. Her mother as well be a multi-level genius. Literally. Uh, and then for us to be brought into this place where, once again, a black girl as well as a godlike figure like Oprah's character is literally guiding us to the path of righteousness and right. or the possibility of good. Yeah. And so I think what what got me or at least that started me to weep was here this black girl was like people and this isn't giving away the movie too much. Mm-hmm. Like people kept talking about how much this girl was a delinquent. And not only was she a delinquent, but people also weren't considering the fact that she was in a state of mourning. Yeah. Just kept uh, undermining that fact or at least not um, accepting the gravity of that. Not giving it space. But then to have her, you know, say, despite all of that, I deserve to be loved. Yeah. Despite all these things that I have going on, all these uh, negative things that you may think about me, none of that matters. I still deserve to be loved and I still deserve to be here. Yeah. I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. Because I know, I think also we're talking about this because we have to cover a very hard topic mm -hmm. as well. But that, that part to me was just invaluable. 
Uh-huh. And yeah, it just made as we move into uh, our headlines today, just thinking about what that love looks like, that yeah. love that we deserve, no matter what, no matter what we do, no how matter how angry what, we are, how upset we are, no matter, you know, if we make mistakes, if we don't make mistakes, we mm-hmm. deserve to be treated as human beings. Because I think that kind of love sees us in the future. Yeah. It sees us as even though I am in mourning or even though I'm hurting, if I'm being difficult or distrustful, for you to love me anyhow means that I can get on the other side of that. Exactly. And I just and we literally saw her get on the other side. Literally. Like I can't even. Y'all like rebirth. We literally saw a rebirth in the movie. And let me tell you, the movie ended for me probably like 10 minutes before it actually ended. (laughs) Yes. I was done. Yeah. Um, but I definitely saw what, you know, Ava was cooking and what that love looks like. Not only does it allow us to get to the other side, but it also loves us enough to let us live and thrive in our communities out um, the threat of being priced or iced out. Mm-hmm. People are creating homes under some really hard circumstances. We are creating communities chosen communities crossing borders we're doing a lot to create homes in the face of a lot of destruction a lot of hate a lot of um a lot of notions that we don't belong or deserve to be in the future mm-hmm. and in spite of that though we still keep showing up as love keep showing up as love for ourselves as love for our communities, and we keep hoping for better. So as we move into the headlines, A Wrinkle in Time definitely um, just gave me a lot of hope in a time where it's very little. I really hope y'all go see it. Yeah, Um, multiple times. Multiple times, because in a time, I'm glad to be in a moment where A Wrinkle in Time and Black Panther are in movies. They're not competing with one another. Nope. They just are. They are a reflection of the types of films that we deserve to have and be inspired by and how we deserve multiple kinds and multiple genres, no matter if you're really into the genre or not. Right. Ava is really creating a blueprint, though, because she, she says this. When I wanted to create a $100 million film, there's no woman, black woman director, mm. who I can call and say, tell me how this is done. Wow. What do I need to do? Yep. So now not only do we have this beautiful piece of content, but we have an elder. <laughs> we have <laughs> someone who is still out here working and thriving, will go on to make many movies, who can answer that call when you want to make your next movie. Man. How do I do this? Mm. What should I consider? What can I build upon that you have now laid the foundation for? Yep. So now the part we just hate and love because it allows us to tell y'all what's going on. White people have no self-control. We are sorry to report that Alejandra Pablos, our friend, our sister, that we introduced on the podcast recently, was detained Wednesday morning by Tucson Office of ICE or Immigration and Customs Enforcement. If you remember, Sora Ale was featured on track number 50, where she educated us on her case, the injustices of the U.S. criminal justice system in itself, and especially in relation to undocumented people. So yeah, my name is Alejandra. I am I am Mexicana, and I am from Arizona slash Santa Ana, California. So I'm from the West Coast. I moved out to D.C. to get away from Border Patrol, <laughs> honestly. Um, and I got away after I was uh, released from probation. Um, I'm a current activist for um, anything anti-enforcement. Uh, I'm an abortion right. activist. I am abolition of prisons and detention centers. And um, basically, I'm, I'm fighting a case right now, and I'm building my own campaign right now to try to stay in this country. Ale described how DHS retroactively charged her in 2017 with moral interpretude based on an old charge in 2010. Um, the Department of Justice and DHS was able to bring that old DUI that I was just speaking about and charge me again for it. What, 10 years later? Yeah, basically. Um, I have this, um, and you know, I have this immigration case, like I said, and it's um, 
don't have to get into any details, but what happened in July is that they came back and added a crime involving moral turpitude. Um, which is basically just a crime that says, you know, this person has committed a crime similar to the one before, and you can't trust her. <laughs> They're talking about me in that way. Um, and uh, they added that, right? Something like, I've been home since I was locked up in Eloy Detention Center for two years, from 2011 to 13. I've been home, been abiding by everything. I check into parole. I'm on ICE parole right now. I check in every six months. Now that I live in D.C., I check in as when I go back to courts. But I've been on ice parole for about four years now, um, checking in all the time, going through that shit, which every time that I check in, that shit looks like a detention center. Like, it's awful, y'all. So um, still having to go through all of that after I've came home, after I paid a $10,000 bond, after me and my family came up with $9,500 to pay for a bond for me to come home and wait for my cases to be heard, because I lost. I got deported in, in, in there, right? So I am in appeals right now. Um, so what, what happened is I'm going through appeals, going through my court, and all of a sudden I get a, a, an email from my lawyer that says, we have really bad news. Uh, DHS just charged you with a crime involving more turpitude over your 2010 DUI. Basically, when I went to court this last time, the, the judge was ready. He was ready with his decision and said, I'm, I'm deportable. I'm definitely deportable. And with the adi that addition of that new charge that DHS just filed. Um, so, I mean, this is just a very delicate time, right? Uh, the Department of Justice is finding just ways for us to literally be funneled into this, in, into detention centers to get deported. Fast forward to earlier this year, Ale is an organizer who was targeted and arrested and had trespassing charges filed against her during a peaceful protest at an ICE or Immigration and Customs Enforcement office in Virginia in early January. An ICE officer in Virginia called Ale's deportation officer in Tucson to sing her out for her role in that protest, according to fellow activists. The activist group Mejente posted a video of Ale to Facebook before she was taken away. Ale is currently being denied bond, which means that she can be held indefinitely until her next court date, which folks are estimating is December, but who really knows? She told us to fight for her, and we have a commitment to do right by Ale and demand this system do right by her and all our siblings who are being denied their intrinsic right to liberty and justice. You can visit bit.ly backslash Release Ale, all lowercase, R-E-L-E-A-S-E-A-L-E. -E -E. You can also donate to Ale's PayPal by going to paypal.me backslash Alejandra Pablos. You can spell that A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-A-P-A-B-L-O-S. It is important for us to show support because they're going to use this moral interpretude against Ale. A lot of this rhetoric has shown up in our news when we describe immigrants um, and people who have migrated to this country, specifically from Mexico, as being criminals, as being people who are ruining our communities, so on and so forth. And what we have been constantly telling you on this mixtape is that that finish line that white folks claim that they're only deporting people who are bad for this country literally is not true. Yep, and it's proven by the injustice that Ale is fighting. Um, her inability to access bond is tied to a broader sinister plot to not only deny rights to our people, but also to maintain and legitimize the money bail industry. So the Supreme Court ruled on Tuesday that people held in immigration detention, sometimes for years, are not entitled to periodic hearings to decide whether they may be released on bail. The vote was five to three, with the court's more conservative members in the majority. Justice Stephen G. Breyer summarized his dissent from the bench, a rare move signaling intense disagreement. According to the New York Times, he said, quote, this is the first time ever that the Supreme Court had interpreted a federal law to allow the long-term confinement of people held in the United States and accused of misconduct without an opportunity to obtain bail. The decision came a day after the Supreme Court declined an unusual White House request that it immediately decide whether the Trump administration could shut down DACA that shields some 700,000 young undocumented immigrants from deportation. 
The movement that the immigrants often call dreamers could remain in legal limbo for many months unless Congress acts to make the status permanent. With this awful ruling, the Supreme Court threw out a 2015 decision by the San Francisco-based Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that the government must provide bond hearings to gauge danger and flight risk when detention exceeds six months, and every six months after that. Former President Barack Obama's Justice Department had challenged that ruling. The Trump administration took up the appeal. Let that sink in. Justice Department spokesperson Devin O'Malley said the Ninth Circuit's ruling had resulted in unnecessary bond hearings, adding to a backlog in the immigration court system, saying, quote, we are aggressively working to implement common sense reforms to reduce that backlog. And today's Supreme Court decision ensures that immigration judges in the North Circuit can focus their valuable docket time on matters actually required by law because this isn't worth it (laughs) the lead plaintiff was alejandro rodriguez a legal immigrant from mexico living in california who was brought to the united states as a baby he was working as a dental assistant when he was detained for three years without a hearing after being placed in deportation proceedings based on two nonviolent convictions joyriding and misdemeanor drug possession. Although Rodriguez was released eventually, the case brought on his behalf continued. In dissent, Supreme Court Breyer said that asylum seekers that asylum seekers or non-citizens who arrive at the US border still have due process rights. So when we think about this, one, I want to mention again how lots of decisions around immigration and its processes or lack thereof are being built on cases with nonviolent offenders. That's number one. Which is why we still need to be able to also talk about that while highlighting the importance that it should not matter if you are a violent offender, that you still have rights in this country. As we continue to see with people who don't look like Alejandro or Alejandre, who are committing major crimes here in this country, and they're still seen as valuable enough to get a Burger King meal. Uh, I want to know how did the Supreme Court literally just legitimize the bail industry and the Trump administration's anti-immigration agenda. Well, first, I just want to follow up what you're saying, Amber, just off of this public prejudice that we hold. Right. We are able to create or legitimize other systems through this very insensitive and just popular opinion that's based in stereotypes rather than facts facts. never facts right this is why recently there's a clip of um, kamala harris going around who's saying like yeah i should absolutely exist i believe as a prosecutor that if you commit a violent crime that you should be like not only highly criminalized but you should be deported as if these are the only people who are being deported. We're actually very terrible at that, y'all. As if we don't have really messed up crimes on our books. Right. So as much as this is coming out of the Trump administration, I also just want to add that this is a lot of the rhetoric and the foundation of immigration reform or lack thereof that Democrats have literally been pushing forever. Right. Also, folks don't want to deal with this issue. The Supreme Court doesn't even want to touch the decision around DACA. Right. They want Congress to deal with it. And when Congress so, gets it, states are pushing it back up to right. say this is this is a national issue. Just this is not ours. Not it. So then you have Arizona who will step up to the plate Bet. and create awful fucking policies around immigration. Right. Right, right, right. So pretty much these controlling images of undocumented people, these negative stereotypes of folks who are, quote unquote, entering this country illegally is literally legitimizing a system that keeps proving to be unconstitutional. So pretty much what happened It's interesting that the bail industry just received 
such a win from the Supreme Court. So by ruling that undocumented people do not have the right to bond, this literally legitimizes or has the um, consequence of legitimizing a system that is being pulled apart in smaller part and smaller courts. So on February 15th, The American Bar Association reported that a federal appeals court ruled that the cash bail system in Harris County, Texas, violates the due process and equal protection rights of poor defendants. Specifically, the New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruled that a bail system that mostly relies on set amounts is unconstitutional, but said there is no automatic right to pretrial release for misdemeanor defendants. Instead, an individualized assessment is required, the court said. So pretty much there's this lawyer by the name of Alec Karakasanis, a civil rights lawyer based in Washington, D.C., who has been filing class action lawsuits against municipalities with bail schemes that don't take into account people's ability to pay since about 2015. Specifically, lawyers like Karakasanis argue that by allowing some people to purchase their freedom while detaining the person just because they were too poor to make bail, the cities are in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Simple. Basically. Yeah. You like can't what hold everyone people. has been saying. Our criminal justice system is literally built on the backs of poor people. Yes. So real this man or this person along with his team, there are a bunch of lawyers. Um, for everyone who's deeply involved in this work, shout outs to y'all of uh, dismantling money bail. They are actually making traction. But under this clause in the constitution is pretty much saying that you cannot give fair treatment to people who have the means and resources to bail themselves out and not give it to other folks who can't. So the folks who can't just have to remain in in prison until their court date. Mm -hmm. That is unconstitutional. So according to Slate, the suits are the opening moves of an ambitious campaign to abolish on a national level the practice of demanding secure money bail from pretrial detainees as a condition of release. Taken together, they represent the first major effort since the dawn of the mass incarceration era in the 1980s to use the legal system to force reform in this area. So the bail bond industry, though, ain't taking this lightly. They are investing a lot of resources to protect its interests, uh, portraying any changes to money-based bail as dangerous to public safety. And they have even hired Paul Clement, the former Solicitor General, who defended um, bans on same-sex marriage before the Supreme Court. Hmm. Sounds about white... (laughs) Also, See how all this shit is connected? Oh, man, I can't oh, Harris, wait no, until no, no. we get into it. Just wait on it. Wait yeah. on it. Girl, so Harris County, who was in this suit, they hired Charles Cooper, who is a well-known conservative lawyer with ties to the Trump administration, who also unsuccessfully defended a ban on same-sex marriage. Hmm. Well, where is HRC on this issue? Seems like y'all have a vested interest in dismantling the criminal justice system. Rodney Ellis, a Harris County commissioner and former state senator who also supports bail reform, said the influence of the bail bond industry can't be ignored. He said, quote, it's money. Never underestimate the power of bail bonds. <laughs> Ellis also said that judges and high-ranking officials found it difficult to imagine themselves in the shoes of a poor person facing a misdemeanor. Well, so basically the poor part, not the misdemeanor part, I'm sure. So if they are investing all of this money, so that person who has ties to the Trump administration, Cooper, representing uh, Harris County, he's getting paid $550 an hour. Mm hmm. 
the the bail industry has a lot of resources and a lot of power mm-hmm. to stay in place exactly so they would be more invested in you all actually raising this money to pay the bill than to actually eliminate the need for bail as we know it to be unconstitutional so when the supreme court says that x group does not have the privilege to access it not only are we denying folks their rights when they are on this soil we also are saying that bail and bond is should exist. Mm-hmm. So when the Supreme Court says, oh, this group of people can't access it, uh, like unintentionally or intentionally, I, I say intentionally, we are definitely giving the legitimacy or lending legitimacy to this thing that has already been ruled unconstitutional for these reasons. Yeah. Yeah, y'all, our, our little bit of um, documentation of being U.S. citizen keeps getting taken away when we're dealing with this mass incarceration shit. Yeah. And they keep moving the finish line on us when it comes to due process, bail, and what we know, even, again, with Ava DuVernay creating 13th, we know that these systems are working very hard to put us exactly where they need mm-hmm. us the most, where they need us to be useful, which is through paying bills and through actually being caught up in the crim- um, the immigration system as well as the criminal justice system, which are the same thing. Um, There's a lot of money to be held in indefinitely holding people. Yeah. People are making that's profits. slavery. Yes, this is my definite home. Just a, it's a concentration camp, honestly. Yeah. We don't know we don't know when these folks are gonna get out. These people can be obtained up to years just off the way of bureaucracy of doing the paperwork to quote unquote get them out. Right. And then it's it's just wild. It's yeah. just what's happening is this discourse, like we really have to decolonize ourselves around the racist notions we have against undocumented people in this country, y'all. Yeah. The time is now to start talking to your family and your friends and your community around why they shouldn't be referring to people as quote-unquote illegal. Yeah. You need to be talking to your folks when they start talking about how these quote-unquote illegals is taking up all the jobs. Yeah. What's happening, honestly, to your people are not parting with their resources so that we can have more access. They are not meeting their responsibility as wealthy people as well as our government officials because the line between the business people and the government is very thin. Intentionally thin. And not only that, if y'all haven't realized that up until this point, just look at who the president is. This is a multimillionaire. I don't care how many bankruptcies this person has had. This person has still managed to be very wealthy right. and is getting wealthier by being in this office. Right. And as we continue to have these conversations, again, a lot of what we believe about immigrants, about brown folks, about black folks in our communities comes from these very toxic, dominant narrative ass representations, which is why we also want to continue to talk about where these things are showing up and why. So recently, Netflix, again, is fucking up. Netflix does not care about black people, y'all, like Monique keeps trying to tell us. We all endured the Oscars <laughs> in honor of Jordan Peele and his <laughs> iconic movie Get Out, right? The Oscars is the most boring of the award shows. It is shows. so boring. It's so fucking boring. Yeah. Like, we only watch it when we know a black person looking fine as fuck is in the audience and could win. Girl, and now they trying to just put a, put so many people of color on the screen so we can be distracted by the fact that all the films nominated are all pretty boring. All of them are boring and white. <laughs> So, not to our disappointment, though, our homie brought home the small, golden, white man for best original screenplay for writing the scariest documentary we have ever seen. 
um, while high, according to the shade room. Yep. Jordan yep. Peele was definitely rolling blunts while writing that. Sh- that's scary shit. And basically gave us great propaganda around why we must decriminalize right. the herb. If you want some iconic, if you want some good movies, we got to be smoking out here. Duh. Yep. That same night at the Oscars, Francis McDormand's acceptance speech for another movie that we did not watch, nor do we care about. Her speech made rounds through the internet because of two small words that she believes can actually change the movie industry. Inclusion writers. Oh, snap. What's that? So according to the NPR, inclusion writers are stipulations that actors regardless of gender, can ask or demand to have inserted into their contracts, which will require a certain level of diversity among a film's cast and crew. Oftentimes when we talk about writers, it's like, not only do I require only purple M&Ms, but I also require that 60, 80% of this production crew is people of color. This is actually something we saw Ava DuVernay do for her film Wrinkle in Time. She literally required teams to hire um, folks who weren't just white men. So taking it from the personal to a more systemic level around what should be required of this set? Like if you want, you know, this big time white person, yeah. um, I'm going to use my influence to make sure that the people of color around me are getting paid what they right. should be paid, that right. they are hired in the first place at all levels, not just in the film, but behind the film as exactly. well. Exactly. So using white people as a Trojan horse, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, this is easy enough and clearly worked well, again, for Wrinkle in Time and Black Panther, who is now like these are hundred billion. Mil- yeah, billion dollars gross worldwide for Black Panther. So uh, with all this being said in this time that we're in where people are actually talking about how to systematically make sure representation is not um, is more diverse, not just on the screen. Netflix disagrees. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Surprise. According to USA Today, Netflix CEO Reed Hashtings said we're not so big on doing everything through agreements. We're trying to do things creatively. (laughs) oh so such a big difference huh just in a totally different league you commoners yeah are doing agreements we at netflix are doing creativity as y'all literally try and get black (laughs) women to sign trash ass agreements so (laughs) this dry white male and pale creativity looks like the continued production of flat representations of communities of color lack of diversity on Netflix staff and leadership and drastically underplaying black women like Tiffany Haddish, Shonda Rhimes and Monique in comparison to their white male counterparts. Like Monique has literally been telling us. She loves us for real. She does. And to add insult to injury, Rachel Dolezal's Live a Life will be making its way onto a Netflix documentary. I hope she got paid in bottlenecks and <laughs> chewing We're going to pay you popcorn, babe. I hope they paid her in uh, yakky braid hair. Yes, absolutely. I mean, knowing Netflix. And shea butter. Did. And shea butter. <laughs> no shea butter. She don't get that. that yes, you no. deserve to be ashy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> ashy ass. Man. I hope she's still using baby oil. Right. Just don't even know the updated <laughs> shit. Still putting baby powder on her, under her boobs and shit. Like old school. Since you knew the Please. black woman this, you do the shit we was doing. I hope you using Tussie and shit. You do the shit we had to do before Shea Moisture was a thing, okay? I hope they have paid her in a lifetime supply <laughs> in old Soul Train videos. <laughs> Girl. So we so, got the rights to Soul Train. You can have that. And <laughs> no, five hundred dollars stipend. They're not even gonna give her the rights. They just gonna give her the tape. A Somebody password. dub the tape. <laughs> it's dub tape. They have no value. The sounds off on them mugs. <laughs> right. You just get to watch black people hitting the ones and twos. 
Gotta make up your own soundtrack. Anyway. This is what she gets. So how is Netflix using or misusing this notion of creativity to distance itself from accountability structures like an inclusion writer to ensure their production gets closer to achieving equity? Well, glad you asked, Jasmine, (laughs) because they really are hiding behind the lie that diversity and inclusion somehow negatively impacts or comes at a cost to creativity. So when Netflix does this, who are allegedly the new cool young kids on the block who are changing the industry, however, they're showing us they are acting and actually using the, the same systems as the old white male movie executives who are currently running Hollywood. So this is not innovation, but more of the same due to the fact that they are actually recreating the same systems that got us here at a faster rate because they are using digital streaming um, services and technology, which gets us this very um, racist content, right? Or their racist way of creating this content even faster and with less barriers that come with having to buy a movie ticket to see our representations online. And we know this, for example, because the Netflix board, again, is entirely made up of white people with just a bit of white women sprinkled in the mix. African-Americans currently at Netflix only make up about 4% of the staff and leadership, while Latinos comprise only 6% of staff and 5% of leadership. So, of course, y'all, when there is an overpresence of white folks, in positions of power, in leadership, who have not gone back to actually ask themselves, how do we produce content that actually represents the communities that we want to serve by having that reflected in-house? Of course, it's easy to lowball black content, to underpay black folks and people of color, so on and so forth. That is why it's not good enough to just focus on Monique not being likable. She is literally dealing in a system that creates white supremacy. Like, it's not just her. Shonda Rhimes is also being underpaid. Tiffany Haddish is also being underpaid. And Viola Davis is still being underpaid. And we're talking about the people who are in front of the camera. We aren't even talking about the prejudices and the lack of diversity behind the camera. The people who are responsible for writing. The the grips. The people who are producing. The camera people. We ain't even talking about the discrimination that stunt doubles have to deal with. Right. Voiceover actors. People who are literally handling cameras. All those folks are yeah. white people so if you willing to give monique this low ball of a deal and you are willing to low ball tiffany haddish's deal which they haven't confirmed what the number tiffany haddish received we just already know whatever it is it's under whatever yeah. they offered they ain't gave tiffany haddish amy schumer money it doesn't matter how successful girl strip was no nope. it doesn't matter how many shows tiffany haddish has sold out since Girl strip. Or how long she's been in the industry, which has been a long <laughs> ass time. It's been a long time. Well, I was listening to what you were saying, Amber. Even um, this notion around, uh, even though Netflix is supposed to be the digital age or represent the digital age or our ability to get our enta- entertainment faster and within our own homes, it does not disrupt the, the fact that like this old boy system can exist right? because still we got over 60% of the white male population that voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, I know the white sister and gets a lot of uh, highlights because they have all of this, but we can't forget that. As well as 49% of the white folks who voted had a degree. Yeah. So this idea... Educated. Educated. And look at even so, platforms like Reddit. You can look at new industries like Google, yeah. Twitter. All of them are recreating the same systems of oppression because nobody is stopping to actually do their work yeah. to make sure their values align with their technological innovations. Or they just keep patting themselves on the back for progression, but they aren't actually doing no. their work. Mm-mm. You know, they're just... Y'all are conflating technological advances with personal progress. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. And <laughs> right. even how y'all are gaining these techno- technological advances might be on the backs of somebody. We just probably won't hear about it for another 30 years. Right. 
Exactly. Because lots of the people who are sitting on the banks come from industries that have, like, done terrible things <laughs> to communities of color. So, again, we've, we've made this very clear. But it's going to keep getting worse. And this is why we actually need to pause and actually think about what it means to boycott or demand more from platforms like Netflix because they are so new. Mm-hmm. They are so tough. new and it doesn't have to be this way. This is it goes back to this conversation with Ice. Ice literally didn't exist be- didn't exist before 2003. Yeah, and we don't have to wait until these platforms support an industry that we don't agree with. Yeah. We can demand them to do right by us right now. Right now. Right now is the time. Yeah. So we don't have to wait until some great victim is presented to us. Monique was enough. Monique literally rang the bell. Mm -hmm. And instead of moving into this commentary around who deserves what and why not and all this other stuff, this person has literally said there's an injustice happening. Right. You can point to me as one example. And literally all these other people are coming out as right. these examples. At what point do we believe black women? When do we believe people of color? When do we believe in uh, indigenous and uh, undocumented people that injustices are happening right one of us suffering is enough for us to believe that this isn't working as right. He is right so this is it's so sad because we could just change these systems yeah. like we could just come in early and change these systems mm-hmm. so this goes into our next segment black women the gods because we're going to award it to Tamika Mowry this week because white people have literally lost their goddamn white minds. White people have lost it so much so that we have to give it to Tamika Mallory. We have and Louis Farrakhan, bruh. Like, y'all gonna really make us do this? Like, really? Because y'all can't get it right? Y'all literally gonna make us do this. Okay, great. So the white... Feminist Women's March community is in a tizzy this week. Tamika Mallory got a shout out while attending Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam's annual Survivor's Day, as she annually does. Louis Farrakhan Farrakhan and spouted his usual fucked up rhetoric against wealthy Jews and honestly black women who choose to do anything besides being visible and in service of black men. So here are some important facts to keep in mind before we really break this down for y'all. And I know I don't have to say this because again, we'll mention this in as we break this down, none of this is endorsement of Louis Farrakhan and we will get into why we could have actually done better and even picking our leaders. Who is Tamika Mallory again? So Tamika Mallory is one of the co-chairs of the women's March. She was put into place as one of the co-chairs along with Carmen Perez and Linda Sassor after the women's March first gained traction and people of color activists who have been in this work for years were upset like that it was being exactly like us who were upset and rightly so about the fact that we were going to launch a march based on the outcries of white of a white woman in Hawaii. Okay. They were put into place to address those outcries. All right. So I want to just remind you all of four things before we start to break this down. When it comes to Tamika Maori, the Women's March, and Louis Farrakhan. One, the speech happened at the end of February, but was brought to the public's attention in rage when CNN Jake Tapper posted footage on Twitter complaining about Farrakhan's comments last week. And who is Jake Tapper? He's a CNN commentator. Mm -hmm. So, two, Louis Farrakhan's full comments said the following. The government is my enemy. The wealthy Jews are my enemy. Weak Muslims and hypocrites are my enemy. I give y'all that full sentence because what Jake Tapper put into the universe was 
the wealthy Jews are my enemy. Third, Louis Farrakhan actually said the worst shit against the community that Tamika is actually a part of when he advised black women in that same speech to not call the police on their husbands during incidents of domestic partner violence while offering zero alternatives to the fact that the second leading cause of death for black women, specifically between the ages of 15 and 35, is intimate partner violence. Point number four, the second set of anti-Semitic comments that Louis Farrakhan made were actually quotes from Billy Graham. He made the very valid point, and why we are talking about this today, that while the U.S. government would like to see folks like Farrakhan without a mic and better yet dead, Billy Graham, who was a racist, sexist, and real-life anti-Semite, was the spiritual counsel to every major U.S. president since Harry S. Truman. This includes Barack Obama, after white America forced him to publicly separate himself from Reverend Jeremiah Wright during his 2008 election. So I will go on to say that the Women's March um, did release a statement standing behind Tamika and against hate, as they definitely should do. And Tamika released a statement herself on NewsOne.com to quote her, I didn't expect my presence at Survivor's Day to lead anyone to question my beliefs, especially considering that I have gone to this event regularly over 30 years. I first went with my parents when I was just a little girl and would begin attending on my own after my son's father was murdered nearly 17 years ago. In the most difficult period of my life, it was the women of the Nation of Islam who supported me and have always held them close to my heart for that reason. So here we go, Jasmine. What are a few things that well-meaning white folks are getting wrong here about what intersectional movement building looks like, especially when organizational structures are being rapidly built with the help of organizations that have previously existed that have never honestly participated in this movement organizing work? Well, white liberals prove once again that they ain't learning enough or fast enough from all these white privilege and anti-racism trainers. <laughs> this so-called controversy is very much rooted in, honestly, this ongoing narrative around Muslims, regardless of where they fall on the spectrum of blackness. Intrinsically, um, they feel that Muslims are motivated to incite domestic terrorism without any reflection or self-assessment about what anti-Muslim or anti-black commentary that these folks are responding to. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, Nicholas Cruz, the self-identified white man who is responsible for the third the third deadliest school shooting in the U.S. history after Virginia Tech and Sandy Hook as a Trump supporter and is a car-carrying member of a white supremacist hate group but had the nerve to describe Muslims as, quote, terrorists and bombers. <laughs> Another example, Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, and Crocker in Paris was at the French chapter Klan meeting, or the French far-right leaders of the National Front, said there, quote, history is on our side, and the biggest reason the globalists have no answers to freedom, let them call you racist. Let them call you xenophobes. Let them call all you nativists wear it as a badge of honor Bannon said that to applause because quote every day we get stronger and they get weaker so I bring this up to say I'm not endorsing Farrakhan at all but listen to Tamika's statement the extreme things that black people have to affiliate with even if it means that they have to make themselves invisible Mm-hmm. in order to belong because of the terrorism and the threats that are happening in their communities. Mm-hmm. So y'all so caught up in your throats about the potential threat of a black woman having thoughts outside of the ones you pay her to have. You never considered to ask Tamika herself what she personally believes. Mm-hmm. So she literally has to come in this statement, oh, surprise, surprise, motherfuckers, I've been going here for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And... 
honestly, you won't ask her unless some um, something that somebody else you don't agree with says something you find out she just so happened to attend the same picnic as them. Because white folks are so fragile and scared to be identified as racist that you have rendered yourselves incapable of admitting or addressing the fact that 50% of your people voted for an outright eugenicist, which is the root of why this half-baked march began in the first place. Right. And shit, by this logic, like, because this black woman, Tamika, knows Farrakhan or attends a speech given by Farrakhan, if we go by this logic... And we start digging into the degrees of separation of quote unquote good white folks and their white supremacist cousins. A lot of y'all will be out of a job. Yeah. Y'all kids attend the same private schools. So when y'all making these diversity hires, because let's be clear, what Amber is describing, me and Amber were some of the first people to voice our dissent against the the Women's March. Mm -hmm. If you notice up until this point, we haven't mentioned them. We let them cook. Yeah, but we was minding our own motherfucking business because the the hot tea is when we let them know that this was blatantly ignoring the work that people, specifically women of color, have been engaging on for years. Our comments were not made public. Yeah, and then as a response to that, they decided to hire all these chairs. Now, great. They tried to retroactively make right what they did wrong, okay? But when y'all make diversity hires within these movements or these mainstream movements that are highly funded for this really half-baked bullshit that y'all have, you need to understand that you are making a commitment to the musty and the murky, the things that ain't always black and white. That mm-hmm. comes with hiring folks of color. Yeah. Because that's what intersectional movement building looks like. Because we deal with it. We literally deal with this shit with white people all the time. You know. Many folks who work in progressive spaces, you could sit at a table mm-hmm. with someone who is in charge of the million dollar budget for political organizing, who will outwardly talk about how their parents mm-hmm. are Trump supporters. Mm-hmm outwardly talk about how their aunts and uncles are racist at the Thanksgiving dinner. Megan McCain was just recently seen on The View having anything to say about this subject as if anybody has asked her to disown her daddy. Yeah, we are making very complicated decisions about our political beliefs. Specifically, when I say we, I mean melanated folk. So that's our show today, guys. We really hope you just continue to have these hard conversations, that you support our sister Ale and uplift her community and your thoughts, because it's really weird not having her here. Yeah, it's been And a to rough know five that days. she's just gone. Well, we believe that Ale will return yes, to us. Right. Um, I wish she didn't have to go through this to return. Yeah, just... It's heartbreaking. It was hard to see the video of her saying goodbye to her mom. Um, I think my energy... I know my energy is off this show um, because um, Malaya, who is uh, really close friends to Ale, I have her in my mind, in my spirit. Mm. Like, I think you said the other day, this stuff this system comes at us so fast we Uh just don't know when our thoughts and prayers and heart songs and offerings and libations really go out to people who love Ale to Ale to build up her strength um, until she's um, reunited with people who love her again continue to support visit bit.ly backslash release Ale Again, we'll have tons of resources on the Instagram and Twitter about how y'all can just stay up to date. Don't forget to follow the hashtag BlackJoyMixtape as well as follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BlackJoyMixtape. You can also pay the BlackJoyMixtape. You can hit us up at paypal.me backslash BlackJoy to make sure that you continue to fund independent news and politics in a way that you want to hear it. Yes. Where can they follow you, Amber? You can follow me at Amber J. Phillips on Twitter 
Instagram and Facebook. What about you, Jasmine? Y'all can follow me at Jazz on Your Mind on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Also, always big love and shout out to our sound engineer who is actually going away to learn a bunch of stuff at Transom. What's up? Morgan Givens, Optimus Mo. I'm so proud of Optimus Mo. I me too. I can't wait until Morgan is the leading podcast motherfucker behind Absolutely. the scenes, in front of the scenes, yeah. out here thriving. Y'all, y'all don't even know. He about to go learn all the keys and hide every lock. I yeah. Prepared. Yeah. You know, we trying to dismantle this this sound. You know that everybody ain't gotta sound like Ira Glass. Goddamn. <laughs> this is Amber J. Phillips, the High Priestess of Black Joy. And this is Jazz the King of the South. And you just listened to the Black Joy mixtape. Like you need a new pamper child, just do suck a more about a chick that some tricks do. How they hit it from the back, took them up, watch your lips move. And exposing her business like she was just business. Now he crying on the gram, talking about he need commitment. Oh, he tried it. Wanna ride or die with no mileage. Let me sip my tea because that sound a little liarish. More like hypocritical, but call me so cynical. Without this BS, these young boys are spitting. I swear I be sneezing myself to the clinical. Keep singing, pull out the where? That you be pulling out of there, that you be pulling the hair. The last time I heard about you, you smell like you got here in there. Poof. But that's none of my business, though. Don't be trying to prove nothing to me. Like we got business, though. Body, he got a body. He messed with Molly and Polly. Then did they squatty right after Poppy. Probably didn't know that Molly still doing Bobby. He loved that chick a bunch of thotties, a bunch of thotties. Yeah, I was like, yeah, me and Amber had a good time this weekend being out in public. You know, all the people y'all claim not attracted to us made sure to let us know that we were attractive. Absolutely, always and forever. I I knew that coming out. Honestly. I have mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> people always act like we need to be so impressed. 